0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
1: This week on the Chicago Bears review. Although the odds are against them, despite their 3 and 6 record, the Bears aren't out of it yet. Their first chance to prove it comes on Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field against the Minnesota Vikings. Can the Bears finally get a home victory? Or will this pitiful slide continue? All of this and so much more on the week 11 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. You know, Jared Allen told the Chicago media this week that the Bears aren't out of it yet. And, um, you know, mathematically, he's absolutely right. The season's not over. There's seven games left in the schedule. And uh, if they can pull off a uh, dramatic turnaround, uh, they'll have to win every one of their last seven games to do it. But it's, uh, you know, as as I said in the midseason review, as I said last week before the Green Bay game, it's not impossible for the Bears to do it. It's just that, you know, especially after the last three games, Miami, New England, and Green Bay, does it even remotely seem possible that they can play consistently good football enough to win seven games in a row? Because it's going to take 10 wins now because we would need Green Bay and Detroit. We need a lot of help. We need a lot of help from those two teams. And. Detroit, they do have a rough stretch coming up. They got uh, they got Arizona this weekend, and I think they got New England next week. So, I mean, we can maybe make a, a little ground there before we play them on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, then, you know, I, for, I forget who Green Bay has uh, this week. But, um, you know, we, we need to keep winning, and we need a heck of a lot of help to earn a spot uh, in the playoffs. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, and... With the way that this football team has played the last month, it's going to be a Herculean task to pull it off. But you know, half glass, f- you know, glass half full, it's possible. And like I said in the opening, our first chance to prove it is on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings, as the Bears return home for the first time since crapping the bed against the Miami Dolphins. So uh, you know, they'll they'll probably get a very Very unhome like reception. You know, the Bears won't feel like they're at home when they take the field on Sunday. They will most likely be booed by the Soldier Field faithful uh, on Sunday and and demand. I mean, that's basically what we're doing. We're not saying that we hate this football team. We're not saying that we're not going to root for them. Basically, we're saying we're pissed and they have to win back our affection. That's what we're saying. That's the passion of a Chicago Bear fan. You know, we do take these things a little bit harder than a lot of fan bases do. There are other fan bases that that, that that handle it the same way that we do. But, uh, you know, we are definitely, uh, you know, one of the unique ones in, in, that, uh, in that regard that uh, our team has to earn our affection. And, uh, you know, we, we were giving it out early early and often this year. We we're very optimistic about this season. It has not even come close to working out the way that we hoped it would. And, uh, you know, basically we're, we're, we're just pissed now. And the Bears are going to have to do something on Sunday like win in our own home field in order to earn back the uh, love for the Bear fans at least for one more week. So it's, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle, that is for sure. But against the Minnesota Vikings, it's at least possible to get off the schneid and get back to winning. We are a last-place football team right now, so we got some work to do. But it's a, a definitely a winnable game. The Bears are actually favored to win this one. I think they were three-and-a-half, four-point uh, favorites to win the game. Um, and Because uh, I never really pay attention to the point spreads, It's not... Uh, You know, for some reason, I'm a fairly intelligent guy. Sometimes, somehow, I just can't wrap my head around how that works. It just doesn't make sense to me, Uh, you know, and I always end up confusing myself when I try to think about point spreads and and how people bet on the spreads. And, you know, over-under, I got that. That's easy, you know. They got to score either more or less than that, you know, depending on how you want to bet. But when it comes to the point spread, Somehow it always confounds me, like I just can't wrap my head around it. So, anyway, we got a few things to talk about. Not a whole lot going on in the news and notes, but I did see a tweet from Adam Schefter on Tuesday, um, and I'm basically that's going to be my news and notes section. I'm not going to really talk about injury reports. Uh, the only interesting person, well, he's not even actually even on the injury report, but um, the Bears cut San Antonio Holmes on Wednesday and uh, basically it was a roster move made uh, people thinking that uh, they did that to make room for Marquise Wilson uh, to be added to the 53-man roster. Um, the frustrating thing about this Marquise Wilson situation is that to hear Mark Tressman talk about him, you'd think that we were preparing to bring back Jerry Rice or something. Now, he's not sitting there talking about praising Praising the kid as far as you know his his unique talent and and everything like that. It's just that they're pampering him, like you know he's the key to it all. Uh, you know he, he's day to day. You know he he he's uh, you know he's he's progressing nicely and uh, you know it just it's just the whole vibe around it. Like they just really think that uh, or you know at least the vibe that you get is Marquise Wilson is is the key to success or it's the key to it all so it's we have to be we have to be smart about how we bring him back and you know ease him back into things slowly and and things like that it's actually kind of annoying uh you know cuz he was supposed to be back for the Green Bay game now he might not play against Minnesota you know two games after that and all the rest of that garbage so i'm mean, just you know either play him or don't you know just get it over with already so Anyway, that's basically the only real, like, injury update thing. I mean, I mean honestly, does it matter who's healthy and who's not at this point? I mean, it really doesn't. Whatever 11 guys they put out on the field have been playing like crap anyway. We're basically as close to full strength as we can get on Sunday night, and we got mopped in the first half. Gave it up 42 points. Couldn't, you know, do anything right. So, it doesn't really matter who's healthy and who's not. In my opinion, it does does not matter. I mean, obviously, Brandon Marshall, that's the guy that we're worried about. But uh, he was on in, inside the NFL this week saying that he's going to play. So I'll take his word for that, that he will play on Sunday against the Vikings. And basically anybody else on the injury report doesn't really matter. So... Anyway, let's go ahead and, and move on to our news and notes section. I want to talk about this tweet from Adam Schefter because uh, I did the research on this, and uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and get into it. <laughs> So Tuesday morning, I'm sitting at my desk at work. I've got a free moment, so I'm uh, browsing uh, Twitter, and uh, I come across a tweet from Adam Schefter, NFL insider for ESPN, was with the NFL Network. Probably one of the most reliable guys out there. He's actually, to tell you the truth, my, my, one of my, fa- my favorite insider. to be honest with you. I just feel like he's the one who's always got the scoop. Uh, it's either him or Jake Laser who's basically you can just bank it that what what he's you know what you know, if he ever puts out one of those tweets like sources say this might be happening, you pretty much bank on that being happen you know happening. He's one of the most reliable guys out there. Um, uh, you know, he had a tweet and it said Um First twenty five games as Bears head coach, Mark Tressman, eleven and fourteen, Lovey Smith, eleven and fourteen, Mike Ditka, eleven and fourteen and then at the bottom it says a little perspective. Okay. So what you're saying is the two uh modern day head coaches, the best ones, Ditka, obviously, and Lovey Smith, uh, despite how his tenure ended, was an outstanding coach for the Bears. He had a winning record. We won division titles, he took us back to the Super Bowl. Can't argue with Lovey's resume, just that we, we were, you know, under Lovey, we always just seemed to be that one step away and it was time to try something else. Uh, I mean, it was just one of those things where his, his time had come to an end in Chicago. You guys heard how conflicted I was about it. Like, I felt it was, ne- it was It was time for a change. We needed a change, but I also, I didn't want Lovey to go at the same time. I, I didn't, but it was, it was necessary at the time. Unfortunately, you know, didn't get the guy that I wanted, who is now flourishing in Arizona. But, you know, uh, we've already talked about that. Anyway, so after 25 games, Mark Tressman is at the same spot, win, wins and losses as Mike Ditka was and Lovey Smith. All right. So when I, 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 I knew from the moment that I read this tweet, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, 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 I just, no, okay? The, the math is correct. He's absolutely right. The records are identical. However, the three situations couldn't be any more different than they, were, than they are, okay? Let's just go back. Starting from zero, Mike Ditka took over the Bears in 1982. Now, 1982 was a strike-shortened season. It was only nine games long. Uh, in 1982, the Bears finished three and six, and we only got three victories in his first game, first season as head coach. Now, it wasn't a full season, but in his first nine games, he was three and six. Okay, year number two in 1983, the Bears finished eight and eight, which will give you three three and six plus eight and eight gives you eleven and fourteen. However, The Bears won five of their last six games to finish eight and eight. So they actually started like three and five, and then you know won their last uh, or three and three and three and seven, and won five of their last six to finish at five hundred. They didn't make the playoffs in '83, but they won five of their last six, and then in '84 they went ten and six, won a division title, went to the NFC Championship game, and we all know what happened in 1985 so in year two the bears were on an upward swing on to bigger and better things now lovey smith took over a seven and nine football team that dick Jerron somehow miraculously got to win their last couple of games to just to be that good seven and nine uh lovey smith took over in 2004 we had no offense to speak of none it was pathetic looking at the scores in that season. It made me sick to my stomach, and I, I remember that year pretty well. Uh, we finished five and eleven that first year. Five and eleven. The second year in two thousand and five. So we've got sixteen games for Lovey in his first year. He played a he coached a full season. Five and eleven. So we only have to go nine games into year number two to get to the twenty fifth game, and by the twenty fifth game. The Bears had won five in a row and were in the midst of an eight-game winning streak. So once again, in year number two, the Bears were showing progress. And in 2005, the Bears went 11-5. and They won a division title, went to the playoffs. You know, we lost to, the, we lost to Carolina in the divisional round, the first uh, playoff game. But in 06, we won the division again, and we went to the Super Bowl. So again, year number two, the Bears are showing improvement. I mean, it was ridiculous. I was looking. I, I I remember the Bears had the number one defense in the NFL in 2005. But when I looked at the actual scores, eight times in 16 games, our opponents scored 10 points or less. 10 points or less in 2005. That's ridiculous. The only thing, obviously, that made things interesting was that. We still didn't have much of an offense, so we're winning games thirteen to 10, 16 to thirteen. You know, the I mean, there were you know, like I said, eight games, half the schedule. We allowed less than ten points. That's insane. Insane how awesome that defense was. If when you go back and look at it almost ten years ago. But um so yeah. Nine games in to his second season, the Bears had won. Five in a row. They started one and three that year, and that was the year that Mike Brown, after losing to Cleveland, came back and came out and said, "You know what? We suck. We're not a good football team. We're terrible." And then the Bears won eight in a row before finally losing to uh, Pittsburgh, uh, you know, in that ninth game. But uh, they were on their way to an eleven and five record and a division title, going to the playoffs and so on. So here we are with Mark Tressman, year one, eight and eight. And despite the worst defense in team history, we were one win away from making it to the playoffs, winning a division title, you know, getting this thing off on the right foot. Didn't work out for us. Okay, fine. You know, we had that horrible defense. The odds were against us to begin with, all the injuries, and so on. Okay. Year number two, we're three and six, and the head coach's job is being asked. We're we're calling for the head coach's job. Uh, we're we're actually starting to lump in the uh, the general manager and our quarterback and anyone that these two guys have had a hand on. We want them out of town. Get rid of them all. Let's just start over. And and you know we'll, you know we'll 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 take being bad for a while so long as it means that we're re- we're building towards bigger and better things. We are at a downward slide. Mark Trestman inherited a ten and six football team. That could have made that should have made the playoffs that uh, you know a couple of those games that they lost they should have won they should have been like a 12 and 4 team uh in 2012 and uh and so on at uh, you know an awesome defense offense just couldn't find its way uh and so on you know <laughs> so the point of it all that that I that it is here's the perspective uh Adam Schefter Lovey and Ditka took off took over bad football teams and we're improving by year number two. And, you know, had the ultimate success by year number three. Year number It was year number three for Lovey that we went to the Super Bowl, year number four for Ditka that we went to the Super Bowl and won the damn thing. Uh, you know. And, um, you know, so they, they got bad football teams and they made them good. And in Ditka's case, he made them great, won a world championship, one of the, you know, whenever they talk about the single – like if you take one team, who is the best single football team in NFL history? The Bears are either number 1 or number 2 for those that like to put the undefeated Miami Dolphins ahead of them. But they're even one of those two spots as far as, you know, dominating and winning the especially showing up in the Super Bowl, the the biggest margin of victory at the time, beating the Patriots 46 to 10 and just making it look easier than it should at this level of football uh you know it's there's no argument um but you know lovey i mean like this said that 05 defense was insane eight times in 16 games 10 points or less you know we we're winning games 10 to three uh <laughs> it's it's ridiculous just nuts how how we we won back then despite no offense we we won 11 games that year but um you know it's uh And Tressman takes over a 10-6 team, uh, a top-five defense, uh, but, you know, one of the the, the bottom-of-the-barrel offenses. All we needed was an offense to go with that defense, and we're winning championships year after year, without a doubt. And, you know, we are where we are. So I just, uh, like, when I saw that, when I saw that, I felt I needed to respond. I felt I needed to say something because their Lovey and Ditka's 11 and 14 was on an upswing. They're they're taking the Bears to the next level, whereas Mark Trestman is digging the Bears into lower levels. Um, You know, nobody's talking about Marshall and Jeffrey being the premier wide receiving tandem uh, anymore. No one has optimism about Jay Cutler and what he's capable of anymore. It's more of a an air of disappointment or disgust about he has all the tools but he's he's playing like a you know an undrafted free agent you know who's lucky to have a job right now obviously all of that being compounded by his contract but you know our defense is somehow managing uh to play worse than it did a year ago despite the fact that we're top 10 in the league in sacks right now we got 41 I don't know where the hell we got 41 sacks I have to sit down and look at the at the math uh you know it's like Willie young Stephen Pia and um Jay Ratliff are the only people that I can really remember getting sacks this year somehow we got 41 of them go figure that one out but uh you know it's just it's not it's not working 25 games in Ditka and lovey are are taking the Bears on to bigger and better things. 25 games in for Mark Tressman, people are calling for his job and trying to burn his house down. You know, like they want him out of Chicago immediately. So, you know, there's your perspective. That's how it's different, and that's why a little thing like that, yeah. That's, you know, the, the only thing that that tweet did would be to incite Bear fans to be like, wait, and, and have a response like I'm having it. Obviously, I've had a couple of days to think about it, so it's not quite as violent a reaction as I would have on Tuesday when I first saw it. Like, how could you even compare the, the, those three together? You know, I mean, Lovey and, and, and Ditka are in similar company because they had great success in Chicago, because they went to Super Bowls. Ditka won the Super Bowl, uh, you know, one of the greatest teams of all time, uh, you know, Lovie's teams were always in it. You know what I mean? They were always in it. And despite not having the best record against Green Bay, we were competitive with Green Bay. And, um, you know, despite how good or bad Lovie's teams were, those games, whether or not – I mean, the fact fact that we always lost them, Lovie's teams were always in those games against Green Bay. So, uh, I mean, we we beat Green Bay last year, and then we was it was a down to the wire finish against them uh, at the end in Week 17. So okay, fine, but we weren't competitive with Green Bay really in either of these games this year. From the second half on, in the first game until the end of the second one, it was a joke. It was uh, it was a joke. So anyway, that's just you know, I had to talk about that, you know, a little perspective. He couldn't have been more off the mark than he was. Yeah, the math supports his theory. All three coaches were 11 and 14, 25 games into their careers as head coaches for the Bears, but uh, they're on completely different planes. Mark Tressman headed in the wrong direction, the complete opposite of what Lovey and Coach Ditka were doing, 25 games in to their tenure as Bear head coach. So, Anyway, that's uh that's the little uh little nugget that I had to share with you guys. Uh Malcolm Fell, uh tried to, you know, ruin the argument by uh by uh when I when I said that I was gonna talk about it, I announced it on the Bears the Chicago Bears Review Facebook page that I was gonna bring this up. Uh he kind of stole half my argument there with the whole, you know, Lovey and Ditka didn't inherit ten and six teams. You know, they inherited bad teams, you know, basically what I was saying there, you know, and I told them not to ruin it, and uh, he quickly shut up, so I appreciate that. So let me make my argument, dude, and put it out on there before you start making comments. So, Malk, feel free to go ahead and and, uh, back me up or say what you got to say about the segment, and uh, we'll go from there. So anyway, let's go ahead and uh, preview this matchup, the Bears and the Vikings on Sunday in Soldier Field. Uh, Is it going to be a good afternoon for us or – On Tuesday, when we come back and do this thing again, are we just going to be like, dude, what the hell? With the Bears looking to end their three-game losing streak and get off this pathetic slide that they're on, they uh, return home. soldier field and they will not get a very soldier field like well actually they will get a very soldier field like welcome from the crowd when they return when they take the field they're most likely going to get booed that's you can bank on that Uh, we return home to face the minnesota vikings the first of uh we got back-to-back home games uh this week we got minnesota next week we have uh lovey and the tampa bay buccaneers before we play detroit on thanksgiving day Then we got three straight home games, Dallas, New Orleans, and Detroit, uh, before wrapping it up at Minnesota Week 17. So this is the first of five of the next six home games are at home in Soldier Field. So hopefully by the end of it we will have won at least one of these damn things, and hopefully we can start it off this week against the Minnesota Vikings. They come into the game in third place ahead of the Bears at 4-5. and Um... You know, they started off the year with a win at St. Louis, 34-6, to then back-to-back losses against New Orleans and New England. They beat the Atlanta Falcons in Minnesota week number four, and then proceeded to lose three straight to Green Bay, Detroit, and Buffalo before finally winning the last two. Uh, they beat Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay in overtime, 19-13, uh, three weeks ago, and then, uh, Just before the bye, they beat uh, Robert Griffin and the Washington Redskins in Minnesota. So despite being four and five, they're actually on a two-game winning streak uh, coming into this thing. Uh, History is not on Minnesota's side because, as Jared Allen will tell you, the Vikings haven't won a game in Chicago in like seven years. I think it was 2007 was the last time that the Vikings won uh, Adrian Peterson's rookie year where he famously torched the Bears for like 230 yards and like three touchdowns. Uh, the Bears scored a touchdown to take the lead. I remember it like it was yesterday. The Bears came back. We were losing the game. We we're down 14 points. The Bears come back. I believe Musa Muhammad scored a touchdown. And then with like a minute and a half to go in the game, Brian Greasy finds Devin Hester down the field for an 81-yard touchdown pass to tie the game at 31, and then we kick it off to Adrian Peterson, who was returning kicks that day for some reason. He damn near takes the kickoff back and and gets just enough yardage for the Vikings to uh, kick a 55-yard field goal at the buzzer to win the game uh, over the Bears. That was the last time the Vikings won uh, in Chicago. So history is on the Bears' side that they're going to get off the schneid here with the Vikings coming to town (laughs) you know and uh you know the Bears always win when Minnesota comes to Soldier Field (laughs) they haven't won at Soldier Field yet which is which is scary considering this is week 11 and we're looking for our first home victory yikes so anyway they're coming into this thing uh it's it seems like it's going to be fairly easy to figure out how to beat them as far as just looking at the statistics, you know, I, I've had a chance to watch the Vikings play a couple of times uh, this year. Uh, I watched a good piece of the game against, um, against uh, Minnesota. Uh, I, I watched them play against Detroit a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I've had a chance to watch this team play, and what I've gotten just watching them is they're a lot better running the football than they are passing the football, and then when I actually looked at the statistics – They're 29th throwing the ball in the NFL, so third, fourth, worst team in the league passing the ball, 10th in rushing. So there you go, right there. So just looking at the statistics, you stop the run, you stop them. And, you know, but then, of course, we're talking about the Bear defense at this point where, you know, if you, (laughs) we got to stop the pass first uh run stop you know stopping the run really hasn't been that difficult for the bears this year not not like it was last year where we were historically bad um stopping the run hasn't been the problem stopping the pass has been the problem for the bears i think we're 27th or 28th in pass defense this year yeah it's it's pretty awful um points allowed just anyway this okay we have to stop the vikings from throwing the ball that's that's what we have to do they have, Cordero, you know, Cordero Patterson. Um, you know, they have Kyle Rudolph at, at tight end. Uh, uh, you know, they, ha- they have this, this kid coming out of the backfield, Jarek McKinnon, um, you know, who's dangerous on the run. He hasn't scored yet, which I'm sure the Bears will help him out with. 446 yards rushing. He's averaging five yards a carry. He's the leading rusher uh, on the football team. Uh, The guy that we have to watch, especially in short yardage situations, a former Bear, mind you, Matt Asiata, 277 yards rushing this year, but six touchdowns this season. So, yeah, we need to watch out for him. But, um, you know, their quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater. He's a rookie. They're one of their first round picks. They had two this year. They traded back into the bottom of the first round to have a shot at him. Uh, They took him. He's... um, Not having a bad season, but he's having a rookie season. Let's just put it that way. Um, He's got 60% completions, 119 of 197. He's only passed for 1,321 yards, three touchdowns, five picks, and he's been sacked 18 times. Uh, He's also rushed for 95 yards on 19 carries. So he's really good on his feet, but he's not as much of a runner as he was at Louisville. Uh, He scored a touchdown on the ground this year, Averaging five yards a carry, the long that he's had is only about 18, so he's not a Russell Wilson-type guy that's uh, almost as dangerous on his feet as he is throwing the football. I think I was uh, looking at, the like last week, the the highlights and such. Uh, In their game, um, I actually forget who the Seahawks played uh, last week, but Russell Wilson had 114 yards rushing. It was the Giants. That's who they played. They played the Giants. He had 114 yards rushing against the Giants. The quarterback did. And even Marshawn Lynch also ran for, a you know, like a buck 25 and four touchdowns on the Giants. And, you know, Russell Wilson threw a buck 20 on top of that. So uh, not quite a a runner like Russell Wilson is, but still, you know, capable of doing dangerous things uh, on his feet. So that's why, you know, the pass rush is going to be extremely important. Uh, for the Bears uh, on Sunday, staying in your lanes is going to be very important because any time you deviate from the path, you're opening up lanes for a guy like Bridgewater who is dangerous on his feet to make progress and basically turn nothing into something uh, on his feet. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's going to be paramount to do that when rushing him it's like there's no improvising and and going off script you need to stay stay disciplined stay in your lanes you know you're only as good as the guy next to you when you do that and if you're the one that decides to take an inside step you're opening up the outside to him and what you want to do is stay to the outside to force him to the middle where there are more people and more defenders, and there's help uh, on the inside. On the outside, everybody's running to the outside and everybody's keeping it to the inside. And, you know, that's where the traffic is going to be. So that's why you want to play it the way – that's why you want to play it that way. So, um, you know, in the passing game, uh, it's not a very impressive, you know, stat group. Uh, Greg Jennings, the former Packer, uh, leading receptionist, 35 catches – 459 yards, only two touchdowns. Uh, Jarius Wright, 26 catches, 315 yards, no touchdowns. Patterson has only scored one touchdown in the air, 26 catches for him, but he's also rushed 19 times for 95 yards and two touchdowns. They like to run him out of the backfield every now and then uh, as a running back, too. They'll line him up as a running back and pitch him the ball uh, and, and you know see what he can do with it. They like to do that with him and line him up back there. Uh, to do that every now and again so it's something the Bears are going to have to uh, watch for the Vikings like to mix it up North Turner is their offensive coordinator and he's one of the better offensive uh, minds in the NFL can do a lot of work you know when that one year that he was in San Francisco back in like 05 uh, you know was like Alex Smith's greatest season uh, before things started to fall apart and long before Jim Harbaugh uh, came to town so you know he's done a lot of th- great things, especially with young quarterbacks. One notably, obviously being a guy like oh, I don't know Troy Aikman, who's a Hall of Famer and won three Super Bowls with the Cowboys, uh, and uh, and so on. So that I mean, despite the, what the statistics say, uh, defending the run is actually something the Bears are pretty good at. It's the passing game where the Bears are horrendous and always where, you know, a team can be a middle-of-the-road pass offense or even worse, but have an outstanding day throwing the football a la the New York Jets. Geno Smith threw for 300 yards against the Bears. Now, the Bears won that game, but, you know, Geno Smith was able to find those big gaps. The You know, you've heard me talk about it a million times, the behind-the-linebacker in front of the safety hasn't really been an issue since the Minnesota game because – Brady and Rodgers found different ways to kill the Bears. They were beating us deep and finding different spots in the zones to exploit, uh, which was awesome of them, by the way. That was really fun to watch. But, um, you know, when you take an average offense like the one that we're going to see on Sunday, that's that's the one where we have to that, – that might be something that we're talking about again after that game. Or you'll hear me talk about in the knee-jerk reactions on the review episode – the behind-the-linebacker in front of the safety zone that the Bears can't seem to protect no matter what is going to be open or has been and could be something that the Vikings try to exploit uh, against the Bears to try to take the focus off the, the run game or at the very least try to get the Bears to ease up on the pass rush, to to not be you know so much with the pressure or to not be pinning their ears back on passing downs and so on, or actually to get the bears not to to sit back on their heels and get out of uh not have an 8 or 9 man box for uh Mac- McKinnon and uh is it McKinnon? I forgot his name already. The running back. Yes. M- yes, McKinnon, it was McKinnon. McKinnon or Asiata, especially on short yardage situations, to not have the bears load up the box because we have to get ready for the pass. So, uh You know, this is what the the passing game will help them do. So I think offensively that's what the Vikings want to do is to try to establish somewhat of a a mid-range passing game so that the Bears don't load up the box and try to defend this top 10 uh, rushing attack that the Vikings have despite not having Adrian Peterson this year with all of his off-the-field drama going on. So that's something that the Vikings are probably going to be looking to do is to establish somewhat, somewhat of a, a passing game. Try to exploit that area that every other football team the Bears have had, uh, or the Bears have faced, uh, have exploited uh, against the Bears uh, this year. And uh, you know, see if that can help them get their running game off, off and running. Or will they just say to hell with it and just come at us full bore with the running game and dare us to defend it? So that'll be the uh, the interesting thing to see uh, on Sunday. On the offensive side of the football for the Bears, you know, it's going to be somewhat of a challenge for us, uh, just because we're number one, not playing well uh, on offense. Uh, we're just not. I mean, there's no other, no other way to look at it. Um, the Vikings are actually pretty good on defense. They're uh, 16th against the run, but fourth against the pass. They're uh, they're pretty good uh, at defending the pass. The, they've uh, they've got a fair amount of sacks themselves. Everson Griffin uh, is their top sack getter. Nine sacks for him. Anthony Barr, their first-round pick, has four sacks this year. Tom Johnson, another defensive end, five-and-a-half sacks. Linval Joseph, Sharif Floyd, uh, their starting defensive tackles, two-and-a-half sacks, three-and-a-half sacks, respectively. And then uh, in the interception department, uh, Harrison Smith has three sacks. Captain Munderland has two. Josh Robinson has two. So this is a team that – you know, not big on turnovers. They're, uh, I think they're actually losing in the uh, turnover battle, the turnover ratio. But you know, they they're, they do get them uh, from 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 time to time. Uh, you know, this, they're not an explosive defense as far as forcing the turnovers or you know making the points for them and uh, and so on. But they, like I said, they get after the quarterback and uh, they're stingy against the pass, which is you know. What the Bears are supposed to be very good at. So, um, on the offensive side, it's we need a healthy dose of Matt Forte to get things going, to get the ball rolling, you know, get it going because we 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 faced the worst rushing defense in the NFL last week against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, now granted, we were down forty-two nothing at halftime, so the running game wasn't an option going into the second half. But Forte finished with fourteen carries for fifty-seven yards uh, in that football game. It not at all what we wanted out of that game facing the defense we were facing but what happened happened and there was no other way around it so running the football wasn't an option uh, for us that's something i would like to see the bears do early and often against the minnesota vikings because statistically it's a weak, it's it's their weakness on that side they're 16th against the pa- uh, run but 4th against the pass so we want that uh, that running game to set up the play action To get things going and maybe take a few shots downfield try to get some big plays going and you know I I have a very similar attitude this week than I had last week going into the Green Bay game Um, honestly I don't care what they do Um, you know we're talking strategy just because that's you know how the Bears can win is is important to go out there and you know, to be aggressive, to, to you know, stick with the run, stay in your passing lanes, so that uh, you know you you won't let a scrambler like or a guy with good feet like Bridgewater hurt you. You know, you, you're on th- third and five, third and eight, third and ten. You're in the pass rush, but you get out of your lanes and leave the middle of the field wide open. And it takes a while for those guys back there to get to him. By the time we stop him, he's gotten a first down. They're extending the drive, moving the chains, uh, and so on. So. Staying disciplined on the defense, especially in the pass rushing situations, is important. But this is another one of those games where with the ways that the Bears have been playing, it doesn't matter what they do. It's more important how they do it. And the Bears have to come out and play with some emotion. They have to play with a sense of urgency because they dug themselves into an impossible hole by losing last week to Green Bay. They have to win out, basically. They have to be perfect to go to the playoffs, and that is the ultimate goal. Jared Allen is right. Mathematically, the Bears are not out of this thing yet, but uh, <laughs> you got to start winning to even begin to prove that to be true. And um, I think it's possible this week. I, I, I picked the Bears to win. I think they will beat the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. How they do it, you know, as far as um, how they're going to look, I think will will be the bigger the bigger story on Sunday on you know winning or lo- winning the football game yeah that'll be great but how did they look when they did it is it one of those things where it just kind of happened the vikings aren't a good football team and we just happen to outlast them or did the bears come out there put their foot on minnesota's throat and dominate the thing from beginning to end can this team do something like that can we have another performance against minnesota like the one we had against atlanta that would be awesome. Uh, it would be awesome to see, and, you know, that would get the Chicago crowd back in the Bears' favor, and maybe Mark Tressman gets to keep his job for another week. So that's what we're hoping will happen to, uh, you know, the bloodlust of us Chicago Bear fans asking for Tressman's job, wanting him to go back to Canada where he came from and all that kind of stuff, can take a back seat uh, for a week. And, uh, you know, give Tressman and the Bears a little bit of breathing room and worrying more about the X's and O's than they will about, you know, all of the outside of the game stuff, like how much the fans hate them uh, and things like that. So, anyway, that's going to do it for the preview of the Bears and the Vikings, the Week 11 preview of the Chicago Bears review. We will be back on, let's say, yeah, let's say Tuesday. We're back on Tuesday with the review episode of this football game so until then my name is larry d and this has been the chicago bears review
2: Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own.
0: Visit SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day.